From a two-bedroom apartment on the west side of Los Angeles, it's High on Film! Tonight, we've got Carly Walsh and Reality Bites. Welcome to the Maxi Pad on this week's In Your Face episode. Hello and welcome back to another very exciting episode of High on Film sobering talk about movies. I'm Chris Maxwell, I'm your host, and you are embarking upon the final 10 episodes of High on Film. This is episode number 241. And boy, oh boy, uh, if you've never listened before, here's the, here's the conceit. We choose guests, they choose movies, we watch them, we, we gently lampoon them, we get into some hopefully interesting film conversation, and uh, play some games, have some fun. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what we do here. Los Angeles' only irrelevant film, review, podcast, game, show, talk hour. <laughs> now, you heard me say we, and I've only introduced myself. So let me get to the other half of that we in uh, the duo. I'm the host. This person commonly called the co-host. Uh, around these parts, though, we call him the co-host from the couch. The... Walking Kevin Bacon game, the, um, mm, 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 mm. there's another one I like. There is another one you like. <laughs> one of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, because we're in Avenger season. That's right. And the Brad Davis that God gave us, my co-host and friend, he's here every week, it's Brad Davis. Hi, Chris. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Going well. How are you today? Doing well. It's good to be back. Good to be back. Getting back in the swing of things, using those muscles we haven't uh, exercised in a while. Yeah, they're going to be a little sore after this. Yeah, yeah, a little rusty, but I think we're doing all right. Uh, final ten episodes. Final ten. The big ten. The big ten. And we went through and we were like, you know what, for these ten, we got to have on our, I, I, th I think some of the most important people to this podcast. Give them one last time to... Come on the podcast, choose a movie that they want to watch, that they want to share with the world. And uh, I think we came up with a really good lineup of ten just just Grand Slam guests. Can I say that? Yeah. These were certainly ten of our most frequent guests. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And mostly because they're also some of the people closest to us. That's true. So That's true. They were nice enough to step in at times when we... Really needed an episode for the week, so. <laughs> yeah. So to say thank you, we're making them come on come one on more time. Come on back one more time to <laughs> fill in again. <laughs> Do the final 10, get us up to 250, and and call it a day. And then call it a day. Well, uh, before we get to uh, our guest who chose the movie, let's get to the movie that was chosen. From 1994, directed by Ben Stiller, written by Helen Childress, uh, shot by Emmanuel Lubetsky? I... I Still floored by that when I saw Three -time the Three-time Oscar winner, Emmanuel Lubetsky. Like, the greatest DP ever, yeah. arguably, or, yeah. What, what, good hiring, Ben Stiller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Reality Bites. Essentially a, a fictionalized account of how the real world was created. <laughs> uh, how about that? You've seen this movie before? I think yeah. we've talked about this. Yeah. yeah, I have. I've seen it, like, twice. Twice. It's been probably almost ten years I remember watching it right around when I moved to L.A., within the first year or two of moving to L.A. Oh, so when you were in your early 20s. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. Uh -huh. uh, did it resonate with you then, or more now? 
Not at all either time? It resonated with me both times. I had seen it once prior to that, and it didn't stick with me. Yeah. But we're not Gen Xers. Well, I was also just younger and kind of not in that headspace yet. But certainly by the time I watched it, you know, the eight years ago or whatever it was, it certainly rang true. And watching it again, it's very of the time. It's Mm -hmm. very of... That generation, really our generation, I mean, a lot of these ideas of, like, having trouble finding jobs. Universal truths. Yeah, yeah. These, these still hold true today, so it, it still holds up very well. Yeah. That, that, For the uh, most part. Post-collegiate uh, existential crises. Right. Being yeah. totally lost, having no idea, like, oh, I finished school, now what do I do with the rest of my life? Exactly. Well, let's get to our guest. Uh, let's waste no more time, because I know she's not a Gen Xer, but somehow... She loves this movie. <laughs> she does. Little little time out of place, but we'll get to that. Um, boy, oh boy, guys. I am so excited to announce to you uh, this guest for 241. She has done one holiday episode, uh, three fantasies on this, on this podcast, three immemoriums in nine total. This will be her ninth uh, total appearance. You know her as Detective Shayna Barrett in Death at Sunset, <laughs> your new favorite podcast. My sister from another mister. <laughs> Carly Walsh returns to the show for the final time. What's up? What's up, Carly? Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, thanks for thanks for doing the show one last time, Carly. This this show would not be the same without you. Uh, your first episode, 115, was number one. Oh wow. Yeah. Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Deals with some of the same themes, ironically, as uh Reality bites here. Yeah, oh, it does, nice actually. Bookend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Little bookend. Yeah. Um, but before we get to reality bites, let's go over what else you did. Uh, so your one holiday episode, Halloween, uh, and I believe we made you do it. Uh, the Final Girls. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, I, I, was I think like, you were saying I the movie Halloween. Halloween. No, not Halloween. <laughs> was like, Halloween was the holiday. I was like, we just talked about this. <laughs> the movie was the Final Girls. Got it. Yes. 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 Uh, three fantasy films. Your first uh, being your second appearance, The Princess Bride. For, for flu season, I believe. Yes, oh. I believe. I totally forgot that. So three holidays. Yeah. <laughs> two holidays. Two holidays. Two holidays. Jumping ahead. Uh, Labyrinth. David Bowie. Fantasy. Also one of your immemoriums. Uh, and uh, I believe this one you don't remember. Your other fantasy. It's a sidestep of a fantasy. Sidestep, yeah. And I believe it is also an immemorial. I believe so, too. Yeah. Does the passing of Gene Wilder ring any bells for you? Yes! <laughs> Billy Wonks and the Choco Facts! Yes, yes. <laughs> Billy Wonks and the Choco Billy Facts. Billy Wonks and Choco Facts. I forgot that's what we ended up calling yes. that movie yes. throughout that podcast. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> of course. Um, and then your final in memoriam, uh, what, two ago, uh, episode 202, Postcards from the Edge for Carrie Fisher and... Her dear, dear mother, Doris Day. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's it was. It's Postcards from the Edge. from the Edge. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, in addition to that, you did Goodwill Hunting and uh, I Heart Huckabees yep. as well. So, welcome back for Reality Bites. Why does Reality Bite? Because uh, it really does right after college. <laughs> um, but no, you, no you, I, you are of our age. You're yeah, not a absolutely. Gen Xer. I'm not, um, but I remember watching this movie when I was a kid, and I loved the music in the movie, and that's the first thing that got me into it, and as I watched it, as I grew up, I 
more and more loved the theme of what do you, what do you do? I mean, you're in high school, you're in college, you're in school forever, and you feel like you're succeeding. And then all of a sudden, you're just thrown out into the real world, and you actually have to sink or swim. Um, and I think that this movie kind of portrays a way of swimming that that the Gen Xers and really our generation are trying to create, almost. Like, I mean, they, they mention in the movie about internships and about these things that, are, that came up, unpaid internships, things that people never really did beforehand, but now for our generation and for the Gen Xers, there, there was opportunities out there that you literally could not live on. Yeah, so, still are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a terrible problem. Yeah, yeah it's really big. It's big. Uh, no, and I love, uh, what really uh, I appreciate about this movie the most, I think, is that it is like a variety of people at different stages, all kind of going through the same crisis, but like you have Ben Stiller, who's wildly successful. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Ethan Hawke, who is absolutely not successful. Uh, Vicky, Jean Garofalo, who has success, but in a different way than, say, uh, Winona Ryder's character does. Yeah. And you see the kind of tension that builds between them even though they're all going through the same shit at the same time. Exactly. And I've, and I've always loved in this film that it is about a group of friends who know each other better than anybody else. Like, it, it's just a group of people who love each other unconditionally um, and are there for each other in this really hard time of life. And I know I, I have a group of friends that after college, I mean, they're, they're still the closest people to me, where we went through this sink or swim moment. Yeah. And and I just think that they portray it very, very well in the film. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is It is a very much of its time and place with the clothing yeah. um, <laughs> and some of the jargon yeah. they throw yeah. out. But, uh, Loserville USA. Yeah. What's I your glitch, man? <laughs> What's my glitch? I like that they question yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, as we said, it, it, they, so many of the truths ring uh, very true for everyone. I mean, they're little crises you have over and over again in your adult life. Absolutely. Yeah, once you stop getting, like, paper grades from college yeah. and high school and are forced to face the world alone. But you're never alone, you're huh? never alone. Mm. There we go. Well, guys, let's get to our first segment here. We do it every week since, I don't know, week 20 or something. We should check that. We should check that. <laughs> it's called Trash, Star, Destroy. Uh, we give you three movies of a similar ilk. We ask you to trash one, which means it's eliminated from existence. You get to star in one in whatever role you'd like to take for yourself. And then the third movie, of course, must be destroyed, which means the only version of that film that has ever been created has been both written and directed by Mr. Michael Bay of Pearl Harbor fame. So, let's do three Gen X movies. Alright? Three iconic Generation X movies. We'll do Reality Bites, the movie we just finished watching. We'll do the, uh, the I think it's it's spiritual partner, Singles. And for our third choice, a movie that I love oh so much, Kevin Smith's Mall Rats. Mm. <laughs> nice. Reality Bites, Singles, Mall Rats. Boy. Trash, Star, Destroy. Yeah, I love Mall Rats. But yeah. I, Reality Bites is so damn good. It is uh, real good. It's really, really good. Because uh, I guess what role would I take in either one? I'm, well, I'm going to trash singles. Okay. 
I've actually never even seen singles, or if I did, I don't remember. Is that Matt Dillon? Yeah. Oh, Cameron Crowe. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pearl Jam. I, I <laughs> have seen it, actually, now that I, now that I think of it. Um, but it, it didn't stick with me at all, obviously. So I'll trash that. I'm going to start in... Ooh. I guess I'm going to star in Reality Bites. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably take the Ben Stiller role. I think that fits me better. Like the, the Ethan Hawke role is probably more fun. Sure. But I don't think I fit that character nearly as well. Uh, so I'll take the Ben Stiller role in that. Come on, Brad. You can be an ambitious list stoner. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that you put it that way. <laughs> Who totally wasn't joking. going anywhere at that age. <laughs> now that you say it, I actually feel like I really made a mistake here. Um, well, it's funny. All three of these movies, I think that character is in all three. The yeah. Ambition with Stoner is yeah. in all three of them. On second thought, I'm taking the Ethan Hawke role. Because <laughs> uh, it fits me so well, apparently. Uh, it actually does. Uh, he's great in it, so it's a little... It hurts to take that role away from him, but I'm going to do it. Screw it. And then that means Mallrats goes to Bay, which kind of my decision between starring in which one was kind of based on which of these movies Bay, I think, fits better in. Mm -hmm. And I think he fits better with Mallrats than he does Reality Bites. If you had to be in Mallrats, which character would you be? Would you go the same way and take the Affleck role, or would you go like Jason London or... Yeah, Wait. probably the Jason London role would probably be what I do. I mean, the Jason Lee role is more fun, but that really is like that's him. Yeah, yeah. he is perfectly made for that role. Agreed. So, and I think I can play like like you know just like the straight idiot guy, who's yeah. kind of the straight man to his wild card character. Yeah. So uh, that's probably the role I would take there. But unfortunately, that's going to Bay, and that's ruining one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies. Agreed. I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm on the same page with you here. I was kind of deciding if I wanted to be in Reality Bites as Ethan Hawke or Mallrats as uh, Jason London. Oh, you were um, thinking London, too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, again, I wouldn't take it away from Jason Lee. I think that would be fun. I think, I mean, part of the charm of that movie is Jason Lee. Big um, time. A lot of it is. 95% <laughs> of it is. But there was no question. I'm not a huge Cameron Crowe fan. Singles can get out of here. Uh, I think Reality Bites and Mallrats I enjoy much more than that one. But... And I, I think it actually comes down to, uh, while being in Mallrats would be cool, I want to be in Reality Bites because I think there's more people in Reality Bites I'd like to work with than there are in Mallrats. Ooh. I mean, I think it does lend itself to Bay uh, more as well, but to work with like Ethan Hawke, Janine Garofalo, Winona Ryder, we're guessing not Ethan Hawke, sorry Ethan. Yeah. Winona Steve Ryder, Zahn. Steve Zahn, ben Stiller. ben Stiller, exactly. I'm, I'm in that. Lubezki. <laughs> Emmanuel Lubezki. <laughs> Fuck, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm Troy in, in Reality Bites, and it's Michael Bay's Mallrats. I am on the same page with you guys. I mean, obviously, I would... I want to be in Reality Bites. Like, I, I love Mallrats, but it's it's not the movie that I chose for this podcast today. What? Uh, <laughs> um, and, I mean, I would be in between... I mean, Lelena would be great... But I do think that it would be a ton of fun to be Janine Garofalo's character, Vicky. Like, I think that that's sort of where I would live. I would love to be kind of a character mm -hmm. in it. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I guess Mallrats to Bay. Um, and I haven't seen Singles either, so I don't even know what Bay would do to Singles. So. I mean, it's very much the same. 
Yeah, it's um, it's good. It's like a Melrose yeah. Place meets Reality Bites. Funny enough, like they all live in the same like apartment complex in Seattle or Portland. And one of those places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt Dillon's band is Pearl Jam. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's like a love triangle, and they're all like slackers and ambitiousless yeah. chain smokers. I'll check it out at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. Um, I, it's been a while since I watched it. It's. I remember enjoying it, but I didn't get the enjoyment out of it that I get out of Reality Bites and Mallrats for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think with the cast that's in Mallrats. I think that they could still make it fun and funny, even as a Michael Bay film. I agree. And I don't think it's, I don't think he totally does it a disservice either. No. I, I think that he could do something really fun with it. Yeah. Some of that Jay and Silent Bob infiltrating the game show stuff could be really fun. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's, uh, I, from what I remember, there's a decent amount of misogyny in it already, so that's a... Uh, well, yeah, yeah, so that lens, yeah, yeah. lens right to him. Right to Michael Bay. <laughs> that plays right into his hands. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's... Let's do one more category here. Now, before Reality Bites, we have done three other Ben Stiller-directed movies here on our High on Film career. be hilarious if he's, like, our most viewed director for this podcast. Because we've now done four yeah, Ben Stiller movies. Yeah, it won't be, though, because we've done more Shum, M. Night Shum. Shyamalan, yeah. And so. Zack Snyder. Yeah. I'd venture to guess Spielberg's up there, and maybe Scorsese as well. I haven't done that much Scorsese. Gangs of New York. Yeah. Departed, Departed, Goodfellas, Goodfellas, and Spielberg. What did we oh. do? Jaws, Jurassic Park. Uh huh. And wow. that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, existential crises. Yeah. Is Ben Stiller our crises? Crises. Most watched director that we didn't do a marathon of. He might be hilarious. That would be awesome. We'll There's get, something I enjoy about that. We gotta get the stats on that. Yeah, yeah. Denise? Well, in honor of Ben Stiller potentially being our most watched non-marathon <laughs> director, we're going to do the three other movies that we watched uh, from director Stiller. The Cable Guy, Zoolander, Tropic Thunder. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting category. It is, because there's... I immediately go to Tropic Thunder... Just because that's such a, like, to work with, and if I took, like, I don't know, the Jay Baruchel character, mm-hmm. who I like, too, and would like that with, but then you're working with Stiller, Robert Downey Jr., Jack Black. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good company to be in. Yeah. And I've said, I think of, in any time Zoolander's been in this category before, I've always said that I wanted to be one of the male models that dies at the gas station explosion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of Because course. it is one of the funniest scenes ever. One of the best comedic sequences I've ever seen in my life. So... I think what I'm go oh and Cable Guy mm, boy there's something that I would love to see Michael Bay's Cable Guy, but oh. Tropic Thunder plays more into his hands because it's actually about an action movie and to see J- Michael Bay do a meta oh yeah but that satire is so yeah. delicate like, yeah Robert Downey Jr. crossing yeah. raises yeah. Uh, going full R for uh, Ben Stiller's character in the to win an Oscar. <sighs> I mean that is yeah. that is fine pointed satire. Yes, that it's still yeah. questionable. A blunt instrument like Michael mind. Bay may, may not be able to. That's a good point. Nail. Ugh. Not saying you're wrong. No, no, no. Just no, no, something no. to think about. You're. That's a fair point. But then, what do I trash? Tropic Thunder. That hurts. You too. tell me. Okay. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. I <laughs> think what I need to do then is I'll stick with starring in Zoolander in the gas station scene as one of the male models. Okay. 
which is whole, one of the funniest scenes ever. You and Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. <laughs> Emmy winner Alexander Skarsgård. Yep. Uh, then I guess I'm going to trash Tropic Thunder, which hurts, because okay. that is a great satire of the movie industry. But I think you're right. I think giving that to Bay is way too problematic. And there is something that I'm totally interested in watching Michael Bay's Cable Guy. Yeah, it, it's something. It's something. Yeah. That would be entertaining. Jim Carrey, at that age, in a Michael Bay movie, would definitely have been something I would go see. <laughs> That's true. Sure. Yeah. Carly, what are you going to do here? So, <clears throat> there's only so many female roles in any of those movies. Oh, poor Ben Stiller. Um, so... <laughs> you can take so... a male role and make it female. It's true. Yeah. I mean... You try I, to be progressive. I think I would... I think I would start in Zoolander as... What's her face? Christine um, Taylor. Taylor. Yes, Christine Taylor. Um, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, just working with all those guys. Being able to work with Will Ferrell for mm-hmm. a period of time. Like, would yeah. be great. Ben Stiller. Um, ben Stiller, Wilson. Owen Wilson. Love it. Um, <clears throat> then, yeah, I mean, I guess... Chris, you're so adamant about not giving Tropic Thunder to Michael Bay. I was just but trying to bring up some I, argument. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is that I'm going to give it to Michael Bay because it is very delicate and he will fall flat on his face and he probably wouldn't be able to make another movie. Oh. So, so, you just going to get him out of the running. Yeah. So, it would be so... Just, just end his career right there. So yeah. wildly uh, inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. He cuts out all the satire and it just yeah. makes a Vietnam film. <laughs> Probably um, would be what happens. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I'm gonna trash the cable guy. Okay. All right. Which is a bummer. It is a bummer. But I believe that one probably made the least amount of money. So. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And uh, as much, and I like the cable guy, but that's probably the it's the not, worst movie out of these three. Mm. And it's not one of my favorite Jim Jim Carrey films either. Okay. Well, I'll tell you guys. I do like Tropic Thunder, but it's maybe my least favorite of these three. Oh, you like Cable Guy more than Tropic Thunder? I do. Interesting. I I like Tropic Thunder. I understand why a lot of people really love it, but it's it's never really got me like these other two movies got me. I mean, Zoolander, I've watched a thousand times, and I think it is one of the funniest things ever. Um, and Cable Guy is, I love, I love that dark comedy. I, I think it was before its time. When we did it for the podcast, it did give me a new appreciation for it. Yeah. That kind of wasn't there before. So, I'll give you that for sure. Uh, that being said, it kind of all falls into place for me here. I'm starring in Zoolander. Sorry, Owen Wilson. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Hansel. Uh, Tropic Thunder's going in the trash, and it is going to be Michael Michael Bay's Cable Guy. I said Michael Guy's Cable Bay. Guy's <laughs> <laughs> Cable Bay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you get to be in the... Walk off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With Billy Zane. Yeah. You can be blasé about many things, Rose. But not about me being in Zoolander. <laughs> your favorite line ever. That is my favorite line in Titanic. <laughs> End of all time in movie history. Screw you people. No, uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I was thinking I'm back. That's your favorite movie line ever. <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good. But man, I would have never guessed that. Uh, I like uh, what we've got here is failure to communicate. Mm. Some men you just can't reach. So you get what we had here today. As the poster is hung right over your shoulder. And and we're talking about a movie that actually does, quote, Cool Hand Luke. That is yeah. right. All comes full circle. All comes full circle. The 50 full circle. eggs. 50 eggs. There you go. All right, guys. Um, 
What do we do here? We're going to take a break. <laughs> I think that's right. That is right. That is right. <laughs> We're going to take a break. I'm going to go rewatch Cool Hand Luke, and we'll be right back with more Reality Bites, more Carly Walsh, and more High on Film right after this. And we're back high on film talking about Reality Bites today for the final appearance of Carly Walsh. Welcome back. Oh, oh. <laughs> it is. It's a little bittersweet. But uh, before we get to the bitter, let's get to the fun. The Summary Game, the first official game of our podcast. That means it is worth some points. This one, zero to two. Minimum zero, maximum two, as we each take a turn at summarizing Reality Bites in a thousandth of the time that it actually takes to view. It's a pretty good high on film approved runtime of 99 minutes. Ah, beautiful. Allowing us each 9.9 .9 seconds to get out the best goddamn summary of Reality Bites you can. We'll each oh, judge each other by the numeric scale, as I uh, put out earlier. And that's all you need to know. Except that during our break, we had our patented coin toss, coin toss, where we tossed a three-sided coin into the air. Brad, since you won the last time, uh, what was it, uh, the Best Picture Winner Shape of Water ep episode, you got the prerogative to call it in the air, and you did, and you won, so now it is your prerogative once more to go first, second, or third in the game's portion. Chris, I'm going to let you go first. You are, you gentlemen. I know. Here is the starting pistol. <laughs> yep, yep, because we use that, <laughs> and the viewers hear it, the viewers, the listeners Yep, we have viewers. We have viewers and starting pistols here on 241 episodes of Ion Film. We've totally got it locked down now. Mm -hmm. How to do this show? 9.9 uh, .9 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Sure. In three, two, one. A struggling docu documentarian and her friends uh, live in Houston uh, while navigating love and jobs and kind of inadvertently create the weir real world when she sells her project to an MTV studio exec. Time. That was good. Thanks. That was very good. <laughs> don't sound so impressed. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, it's more surprised. It, 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 <laughs> oh, don't sound so I, surprised. I am impressed. <laughs> Surprise is what I meant to say. So I am going to do poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out. Only time will tell, and that time will be 9.9 .9 seconds for Carly Walsh to summarize a movie she was quoting the whole way through. <laughs> In three, two, one. Lillina and her friends after graduation try and navigate the real world while getting fired and getting new jobs and promotions and falling in love with each other in the end. Time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very succinct. Very succinct. Very, very succinct. Love it. Brad Davis. Yes. Are you ready? No. To tell us all about Reality Bites. No? Okay. Well, let us know. <laughs> we'll, just take a, we'll just take a brief pause. We'll be silent for five seconds, ten seconds. The audience will love it. Yeah. How much do you need? 35 seconds. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. Let's do it. All right. All right. Change his mind. <laughs> much to the chagrin of our listeners. Yep. 9.9 .9 seconds in three, two, one. A girl and her friends graduate college and don't know what to do with the rest of their lives, whether they're falling in love, whether they're trying to get jobs, whether they're getting AIDS scares, whether they're coming out to their parents. Uh, they deal with all of these things in life, and Time. that's it. Okay. Really good, too. Yeah. yeah. Good good job putting in the AIDS scare. Yeah. yeah. I don't think either one of us mentioned that. Nope. Yeah. Good job. 
Uh, all right, guys. Let's keep this podcast uh, just trucking along. Keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. That's our motto from here on out. <laughs> yep. 241 and on. <laughs> it's time for First Impressions, the second game of the podcast. Uh, this time, a little heavier weighted. Zero to three points uh, for each one of us as we supply the person sitting to our right with a line from Reality Bites we would like to hear them impersonate to the best of their ability. How about that? Love it. Sounds simple, right? Yeah. Well, Carly, uh, you get to go first in this game Ooh. and give Brad any line you'd like to hear him say. So the line that I chose is Sammy, or Steve Zane's character, Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Um, the great he, Steve Zahn. <clears throat> he, everybody's hanging out and smoking weed in the living room. It's right after Lilena has gotten into the car accident and met with Michael in the office. Um, Michael has just called, but they're all quite stoned and quite hungry and very broke. So this is Sammy asking for Lilena to buy them a meal. Let's order pizza. Lilena, if we promise to pay you back, will you spot us some pizza? Domino's takes checks. Okay, great. All right, Brad Davis, here's your chance to impersonate Steve Zahn and become a famous impersonator of Steve Zahn. That's Steve Zahn impression. I always knew I'd do. That's destiny. Here it is. Bring me to this point. Okay. Lelena, if we promise to pay you back, will you spot us some pizza? Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good Steve Zahn. Thank you. Yeah, hey. I told you. Thank you. For this finally to happen. 241 episodes. There you go. I was like, when am I going to get to do that Steve Zahn impression? And here it was, finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew we'd get it out of it in the podcast before we ended. Yeah. yeah. I guess it didn't happen in that thing you do. Did we do that thing? We never did that thing oh. you do. I mean, unless you just do it on your own when you yeah, watch Yeah, yeah, I do. I do it's practice. that thing you do when you watch that thing you do. I do practice rounds of my own film by myself. Yeah. I just watch a movie and then I sit at the table and I play all the roles. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's I'm fun. I'm surprised you've never invited me to. No, no, no. It's like when you play chess against yourself. It's like you just wanted that, you know, the lack of a challenge. Is that what, yeah, I always thought it was because you didn't have another person to play chess with. Well, depends on the day. Depends on the day. Well... Why don't you give me a line? How about, how, that doesn't depend on the day. That depends on you give... I don't know what that depends on. Just give me a line. <laughs> uh, so, this actually works out well for your uh, uh, Trash Star Destroy, because you chose the role of Troy in Reality Bites, and I'm going to give you a Troy line. Cool. Uh, this is right after uh, Winona Ryder comes back from the... Di- what, Lelena? Lelena. Lelena. I just said the name. In my quote. Uh, she comes back from her date with uh, Ben Stiller and Michael and Michael uh, and Ethan Hawke's Troy is waiting up, sitting on the couch in the dark, even though he's supposed to be reading a book. Turns on the light and just kind of you know giving her shit about going out with this guy. And uh, yeah, this is just kind of him commenting on who Michael is. Did he dazzle you with his extensive knowledge of mineral water, or was it his? in-depth analysis of uh, uh, Marky Mark that finally reeled you in. All right, and uh, mentioning one of our favorite actors here on High On Film. (laughs) That's true. Michael Bay's own Marky Mark Wahlberg. All right, Troy Dyer, Ethan Hawke, here we go. Did he dazzle you with his extensive knowledge of mineral water, or was it his uh, in-depth analysis of uh, Marky Mark that finally reeled you in? 
Nice. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nice. hard to do. Standard yeah. American white yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I hate when I realize that, like, because I, I always pick lines based on the lines, and then sometimes when we get here, you're like, oh, this is, you can't do an impression of this person. You need, you, yeah, there's no yeah. character to the voice. Right. So you play, I mean, if you play the cadence of the line, yeah. then, and you did. So that's, that's nice work. I did what I could. Uh, Carly. Yeah. I have a line for you. Awesome. Great. And it's actually uh, one of the characters, um, Vicky, played by Janine Garofalo, doing an accent. She's doing a Midwestern uh, dialect. I love it. As she uh, role plays Sammy's mom, as Sammy practices coming out to his mother. Great. Great. Let's do it. Here's the line. Ma! I'm right here, son. Ma! Yeah? I have to tell you something. I am, oh... Almost sexual. Oh, <laughs> Christ. Uh, is there a support group that I can join to help me come to terms with my own homophobia? Yes, there is. A group which is named P-Flag, parents and friends of lesbians and gays. All right, so let's hear your best impression of Frances McDormand in Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, is there a support group that I can join to help me come to terms with my own homophobia? Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Carla. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've seen this movie once or twice before, you say. Just a couple. Just a couple. <laughs> well, we can put the scorecards to the side. Thank you, thank you. Oh, Brad, no. <laughs> Don't throw it away. Ended up right behind <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're diving in to an open forum discussion we like to call Scene Work. Of course, we're an optimistic podcast, but that is not completely evident so far. And we like to start things off optimistically. To do, to do, best scene. What is the best scene in Reality Bites? I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah. Start with your best. We'll see what, or unless you want Brad and I to go first, and then you can cover what we don't hit. Um, I'm sure. Let's do that. Okay. You guys, you guys, you guys go. I'll throw in my two cents. <laughs> Brad. Okay. Best scene. Um. Well, I think. Oh well, the scene from this movie that I think is the the scene from this movie is the dancing in the convenience store. Sure. Is my what, Sharona. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the scene I always think of when I think of this movie. That's the scene that I think most people think of when they think of this movie. And it is, it's great. So, I, I mean, I would, it would, it would feel wrong if we didn't mention that scene, because it is, it's short, but it does kind of hit the, I mean, you're dancing in a convenience store to My Sharona. It kind of plays on how, especially why they're there. They're using, like, a gas card that her dad gave her to get dinner yeah. at a convenience store because yeah. they have no other way to pay for food. Just piles of junk food. Yeah. yeah. Slim Jims, six packs of Coca-Cola. It's very sweet. It's Diet Coke. Diet Coke. And there Diet is Coke. some regular Coca-Cola in there when uh, Sammy and, and oh, Troy yeah. are there. So yeah, that very much speaks to the being broke and having really nothing else except your friends who are willing, most of them are willing to dance with you to a song in a convenience store. Yeah. So I think that is, it's kind of a nice uh, summation of the whole movie a little bit. And I think that's why it hits home so well. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I mean, I could say other things. Should I start? I'll yeah, we'll stop start there. Th stop there. Yeah, okay, stop and then there. I can. I'll say more stuff after you guys say stuff. Absolutely. Um, two small things I love that I want to mention before I get to my best. I love the band name Hey, That's My Bike. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> that is a brilliant band name. Um, and when Winona Ryder, um, Lilena, and Michael Ben Stiller make out for the first time with big gulps, yep. maneuvering their hands with these enormous 7-Eleven cups as they like try to make out with each other it's is awesome. such a funny bit that lasts only a few seconds. Uh, but my best scene, I think, is the... Talk the walk uh, that Ethan Hawke takes Winona Ryder on after she's fired, and his like walking tour of the career of Troy Dyer. Right, and he goes on and he kind of like confesses his love ish for her without actually saying it, but he uh, it says something about like, um, you know, this is what I love about life. Like, uh, look what we can do: a cup of coffee, a pack of smokes, some good conversation. You, me, and five bucks. Yep. And I love that line, and I just love that little conversation they have, and I think it feeds right into them kind of making out a little bit and then realizing that, you know, they're not, probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that scene. I love, I love Ethan Hawke. He's one of my favorites. Winona Ryder is great in this as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's my top of the pops for this movie. I agree with that. Um, that's my, that was my top one in my best scenes. Ah, um, nice. <clears throat> I will also say, I just want to mention a couple of other little things. Please do. Um, I think that both, both the compilations of uh, Vicky's character getting tested for AIDS, having that conversation at the diner, and then finding out that she doesn't have AIDS, I think that that's a really beautiful story arc for her, and I think that those moments are played incredibly well. Um, I also think that the Steve's on telling his mom uh, that speech after afterwards where he just says, I just want to be let back in the house is one of just the sweetest moments uh, in the movie. Um, and so it's always one of my best, best scenes because he is so memorable in that moment. And then I also love um, the end of the movie when it's Lilina and Troy and Troy comes and tells her about his dad having passed away. And it's basically like a, Gen X balcony scene where yeah. she's on a balcony and he's standing down basically asking her to love him. Um, and I, I like that idea of like Juliet can just jump down from the balcony and join Romeo at any point in time. And she does. And mm -hmm. I, I, I like that sort of twist on it. And I've, I've always liked that moment. Um, but I do think that the Troy and Elena conversation does encapsulate the movie in terms of here's the 12 jobs that I've gotten fired from. You've been fired from one job and you're devastated. This is not the end of the world. We're, yeah. We all move on. We all continue on. And you, me, and five bucks. I love that. Yeah, that's a great scene. I like in that last scene too when uh, Troy comes and, you know, kind yeah. of their final scene. I like that he's finally lost. Like his dad, like he kind of like finally seems for the first time that he doesn't know everything because he's he has the big IQ and he's always so wise, quote unquote wise. And I like that, I, I, I wish I would have wrote it down. He has a line where he says there where he just kind of infers that I, I don't know anything. All I know is that, you know, basically I love you and everything else is kind of fucked. Yeah. 
He's by, he's defeated for the first time. Yes, he's defeated yeah. for the first time. And it's kind of and Hawk plays it really well too. Yes. And you just kind of see him there in this suit that doesn't fit him at all. I mean, doesn't fit him at all in the sense of his character, not the actual size of the suit. Yeah. Um and that's a very nice moment as well. Yeah. Is, that plays all in there, which yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll take that and actually run with a little um for me this is uh well, I think there are very good scenes in this. I do think this is one of those movies where I think the sum of its parts is greater than the whole. Um, I think everything in this movie works together to make this movie even better than any singular scene makes it. You know, sure. does that make sense? Absolutely. I agree. Um, and I, I think a big part of that is a lot of the really deep, like motifs of this, like, like you said, like Ben Stiller in a suit that doesn't really fit him. Not. In size, Ethan, Ethan, Hawk. Ethan Hawk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan Hawk in a suit that doesn't really fit him, as like this motif of like the camera lens and like Ashley, Ashley Judd, Jesus, uh, Winona Ryder's trying to film like what's real. They manipulate it into something that's more like Melrose Place and and, and you know uh, uh, factory made. I will say, uh, Ben Stiller has that whole scene saying like this is not who I am, and she's like, oh really? You don't like wearing expensive Italian suits? And he's like, no, but that's what he does. And yeah. meanwhile, the our friend group rallies against like the institution while simultaneously like consuming massive amounts of Coca-Cola and Pringles and, and Domino's and Big Macs and Big Gulps. And working at Gap. And, and working, working at like, the Gap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And all these like huge corporate entities while being like, that's not what we support and what we want to do. And I just think that's so interesting how this movie kind of flushes that out without being in your face about it. That like everyone's kind of like perceiving each other through these lenses and everyone's putting on something yeah, regardless everyone, of what they're actually, their truths are. Everyone is something <clears throat> and me. also the exact opposite of that thing. Yes. And that's why it makes sense yeah. when she's asked the definition of irony. And yeah. she doesn't know. Yeah, and she yeah, doesn't yeah. know. Well, and off of that, I do think, I like that idea of it's better than the sum of its parts, but I do it's all snippets of scenes, which I also really enjoy. Like, the scenes, we don't have one, like, really long, drawn-out scene. I would say that the Troy and Milena scene is really the, the longest mm -hmm. scene that we have in the Yeah, they have a film. couple that are a little longer. Yeah. yeah, but everything else is, like, intercut with parts of this documentary that she's created that are these little moments where people are being honest about their lives. Like, the talking about all of their parents being divorced is, is a really beautiful few moments of Vicky, of Troy, of Belena, but it's not really one scene. It's three separate scenes. Yeah. Um, and I, I do like that idea of seeing them put on who they are and then having those little moments of, of their deeper self. Actually who they are betraying what yeah. they've said and exactly. yeah, presented. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I really, really like it. It's, it's a very, very good movie. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, if there's a best scene, it must mean there's a do 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 worst scene. What's the worst scene in Reality Bites? I don't really have much for this. Um, <laughs> well, I don't either. I got I, one thing. <laughs> I will I will say that I think I think maybe you could say that the hotel room scene with Elena and Michael where he's saying that he wants to take the tapes but it does further the storyline. Um, just because it always seems like they're all of a sudden in love when we haven't, we, we saw them have sex once and like mm -hmm. it, we just haven't 
seen that relationship progress necessarily, but it does progress the story. Um, I argue that I th- I believe their relationship yes, progression. Yeah. Because Troy is such a dick, and you see exactly why she's drawn to Michael. No, absolutely. Um, but I could say that scene, but I also do like that scene, so... Um, and then the other one would be her on the phone with the psychic. psychic. Oh, yeah. Um, just because then she's a really big dick to Vicky and Sammy, which doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, it does because she is down and out and feeling horrible and has been talking to this person. But uh, her being that big of an asshole is a little is always a little off kilter for me. Yeah, her lack of awareness of how much that's going to cost is yeah. a little... It, it seems like for somebody so, f- from experience, somebody so focused on the fact that you don't have money, you don't have a job, that you wouldn't be aware that making psychic phone calls this much to one nine hundred numbers would be yeah. a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's something I grew up knowing. It's like don't call yeah. these numbers. Yeah, it's too much it costs money. A lot of money. Yeah. They even say like on the commercials most of the time, like you know, seventy five cents per minute, or like there was like a yeah. number always up to attached. five yeah. minutes, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. after that, it's twenty three dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, I think mine is just that, uh, it's, it's, Hey, That's My Bike's first song. Uh, I really think it's a bad song. Um, got a pothead mama, got a cokehead dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ethan Hawke does not have the best voice for this rock band, I, I think. Um, the bassist is absolutely ridiculous. And sure. I believe Ethan Hawke actually sings the line, not even sure why I wrote this song. He does. Okay, he, That good. is his line in the song. Yeah. Is this a, was that an original composition for the movie? I believe so. Um, it feels I'm like, because their next yeah. song is definitely a cover. It's definitely The Violent Femmes yeah. added up. Right. Yes. Um, which I like, but again, like, I wish it wasn't Ethan Hawke playing that song. I don't know. Or, I, I, think know it, get, I think it's fine. Dump some other vocals in. Except I will say, I, I like that, like, their band is not successful. Pretty successful. They have a pretty big club with a lot of people in it. Well, that's way. the coffee shop that Sammy works at. So, oh, like, so they, so they stay at the coffee shop. They have like a standing gig at this coffee shop, but I mean, they're they're not a successful band, but it's something that he's passionate about. And yeah, he may not have the best voice, but it is like of the grunge period, That's and I true. think that it kind of fits in there. Yeah. Well, it just wasn't my cup of tea, and fair. all I could to- think of totally for her singing. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> Brad Davis, what you got here? Uh, I got a couple little things. The one thing that actually is kind of connected to that scene that we talked about is how. Right after he sings, and after Ethan Hawke sings the song, and it's like Michael and Troy are both there with Winona Ryder in between, and her and Troy go talk. This is after they've slept together. And he just says, like, sometimes I might run away. Sometimes I might not be there for you. And you got to be okay with that. Which (laughs) That's part of loving me. Yeah, which I I feel like, and we were kind of discussing, the intent of that is, like, you can't predict things. That sometimes, but it's worth taking the shot the chance on, but his delivery of it makes him come off like the biggest asshole ever. Like, I might just leave you at some point. You've got to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. It, but I, I get I get the intention. It just comes off wrong. Yeah. Yes. And, and well, and it's also him saying, this is the difference between me and Michael. Like, Michael... You know what you're going to get. Because she says, like, oh... He, he well, lives in mature relationship Yeah, she was land. like, welcome yeah. to mature relationship land. You might see Michael here. He lives here. Yeah. And that's when he gets defensive and is like, fine, if you want somebody that you can predict their next move and you can, like, live in a picket fence house, fine, go do that. But with me, I may leave tomorrow because I don't know what's going... I Like, my life is 
in flux. Right. So, similar to yours. Right. And I guess the only other thing, and this is a small thing, and I do feel like they do a nice job with their little arcs, but I guess I wish maybe there was less focus on the love triangle relationship and a little more focus on Vicky and Sammy. Like, they get lost in this movie. Yeah. And you could have added ten more minutes to this film and just had their plot lines flushed out a little bit. Yeah. Like, I yeah. kind of, like, I mean, I know we kind of get the end of, after, and I, you mentioned that best scene of Sammy saying, I just want to be let back in the house. I love that scene. And you kind of get him moving forward when you see him at the diner later and he's, like, talking to a guy. Yeah. So he's finally, but... They're so interesting. Both of those characters are so interesting because they have so much more, so many things going on that aren't just about a, a relationship, yeah. about a yes. love, a love relationship. And well, they're kind of tangentially connected because Sammy says he's celibate because he can't come yeah. out, right? And she and is dealing fine. with this potential AIDS, AIDS, AIDS scare well, because he, she sleeps around and won't settle down with him. Yes, I. I Believe me, like they did a nice job of it getting those arms. Yeah. I just wanted more of that because, because sure. especially when you start off this movie, the beginning is them graduating, them on the rooftop, <laughs> and it's about the four of them. Yeah, and they just get lost in the shuffle. It's really the the movie ends up being about Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke, which makes sense. It's the love story, but I just wanted more of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love I love that you get to see Vicky's progression through little snippets where like. She becomes manager of the Gap and then is, like, annoyed that she's late for a gene-folding seminar. And, like, she she becomes the responsible one in the group who is going and doing her job and showing up every single day, every moment, working hard, trying to make as much money as she can. And then also... $400 a week. Yeah, and also taking that responsibility of... I mean, she has that list of guys that she slept with. So you see that she has some some sense of responsibility because she's like, I should keep track of sleeping around. Their names. And then, once, and then once she has the AIDS scare, we don't see her sleep with anybody else for the rest of the movie. Like yeah. we see we see her become That's pretty a responsible, more responsible if you're person. waiting on no, HIV no, for sure. test results. But then but I mean even afterwards, I feel like yeah. you know, you see her not really trying to Jump into another like, relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you even get more of her where you yeah. really lose Sammy. Yes, Like Sammy, absolutely. you get so little. You get the yeah. scene of, you find out he wants to come out to his mom, and then you get the scene after he comes out to his mom, and like, that's kind of it. Yeah. After we kind of move past the beginning where it's all of them hanging out all the time. Yeah. And I wanted more of him. He is a much more interesting character to me, especially during that time with the AIDS scare, with homosexuality not being accepted for sure certainly to at least the degree it is nowadays that's a that's a thought a really interesting character that just kind of gets lost a little bit absolutely yeah. well guys there it is the theme song to our final game of the podcast it's time for milking it zero to five points for this game so easily the most heavily weighted game of the show Reach can draw a card from the big box of Hollywood ideas of prequels, sequels, reboots, and genres on said card. will give you a new way to look at uh, the movie we just watched, Reality Bites. Reuse, reduce, recycle any of the characters, plot points, themes, whatever you'd like to take from this movie. Jumble it up, reassemble it, add some new pieces, and give us a brand new movie. A title and a quick summary to put back out there and make a billion more dollars for the studio system. Thank you for enthusiasm, Carly. <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, that sincerely, it's been a quiet enthusiasm. <laughs> All right, and I believe it's Brad Davis's turn to go first. Correct. And uh -huh. we'll give the big box uh -huh. an old big shuffle. Good old, the big box and a big shuffle. I'm a big man. I need a big shredder. It's an SNL commercial with Tracy Morgan. Mm. Uh, fast food restaurant selling bags of iceberg lettuce and mayonnaise. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it all the time. It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> Brad, what do you got? I got a sequel. Sequel. We're the sequel of Reality Bites. Oh, all right. Reality Bites 2. Great title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take any of No, I, I know. I short. appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate reality that. Bit. <laughs> and I'll draw a card. I have... The prequel. Oh, we're, getting a, we're getting a trilogy. Uh, we are getting a trilogy. And Carly, draw a card, please. Ooh, psychological thriller. A psychological thriller. That actually, the title plays very well into. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with three brand new movies for your listening enjoyment just as you've always wanted to enjoy movies, right after this. And we're back right in the middle of milking it for Reality Bites. Now, Brad. Yes. I think we're going to have a little bit of a jumbled trilogy coming up here. Jumbled trilogy. We just watched the original. And you are going to kick us off with the prequel. Nope. Nope. Sequel. <laughs> I got the prequel. I hope so. Which I'll do later. <laughs> yeah. In just a minute. Okay, great. The sequel to Reality Bites. Yes. What have you got for us, my friend? All right. So we're flashing forward a couple years. Uh, Lena and Troy are still together. Uh, he's broke. Uh, his band is touring a little bit, like very small venues, but... Uh, still, like nothing real, not no true success yet. Um, she is making documentaries, and she's actually just had one premiere at a film festival to very good reviews, and it gets bought. What? So she's actually has some money coming in and has a, a modicum of success. So that kind of drives a little bit of a because they're spending time apart. She's like at a film festival, he's touring now. She's moderately successful he's still not that kind of drives a wedge a little bit in their relationship so it's kind of them dealing you're seeing their their storyline is them kind of going through all that and trying to navigate still how to have a successful relationship in those circumstances um and uh vicky has become like a higher up at the gap and she's kind of gone corporate very takes her job very seriously kind of completely work focused so it's really left no time for uh, love life mm -hmm. or kind of any life really around it so that's kind of where her her story is and sammy is in a serious relationship with a man and are planning to get married um but and they've been engaged for a while the wedding's coming soon and he still hasn't told his mother who finally accept at least accepted to a certain extent his uh homosexuality but he actually hasn't told her he's in a relationship with a man, told her that he's engaged. So we're going to kind of see, we'll, we'll witness that happen and kind of her issues still with that. And then a lot, this is, so all these storylines are kind of taking place around 
which will end up being at Sammy's wedding. So they'll all kind of come together at Sammy's wedding, having not really seen each other much lately. They've kind of lost touch. And now we're kind of seeing all these relationships play out where, uh, you know, they don't talk to Vicky anymore and how they've fallen off and just kind of all of this kind of comes to fruition as kind of the craziness of this wedding takes place. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of covers what it mostly is about. Yes. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. 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 Uh, and my title is Reality Sets In. Reality Sets In. Oh, nice. man. Very nice. I like it. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to change my title to more fit this <laughs> trilogy. Well, uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, I was hoping maybe you'd go a different route with your title, but, you know. I, I, I There was one other one that I was, like, debating on, but okay. I didn't go with because I feel like while it's a... While I kind of like it better as a title, it actually doesn't fit the movie as well. Okay. So I went with this other one. But just in case you guys end up using it, I'm not going to even say it. All right, all right. Well, I'll get to my prequel. Sounds like And we'll discuss. Great. <clears throat> so, of course, our group of friends are now back in time in high school. Towards the end of their senior year. Um, uh, Lelena is burnt out on studying from the SATs. Like, just really starting to crumble under the pressure that her parents and uh, that the school has kind of put on her as always being one of the good students. Um, and unfortunately, to keep up with all her studies and all her AP classes, she has developed a little bit of an Adderall addiction. Oh, boy. Uh, Troy, of course, he's, he studies hard, uh, but he doesn't imply himself in class, so he's kind of seen as, like, as, you know, like, uh, look overlooked a lot, uh, which certainly doesn't help um, his overall mentality and view of the world. Uh, Sammy is dealing with his first uh, real homosexual feelings, um, probably with a classmate that he kind of, you know, uh, likes, but doesn't know that he's quite gay yet, um, and Vicky is stuck choosing between two boyfriends, uh, from, like, a prom date mix-up, uh, and then things get a little dark, of course, for our, our mid-act, uh, Troy's dad reveals to him that he has prostate cancer, and Troy is sent into his, like, first real existential crisis of his life, wondering, like, what it all means, um, Sammy, of course, uh, gets the courage to talk to the, his crush, uh, and is rejected, probably fairly harshly with some uh, hard Fs, I imagine, um, judging from the time that this would be taking place in like the mid-late 80s. Um, Vicky, with her one boyfriend, uh, I think she's going to deal with probably a little bit of like uh, domestic violence and probably gets hit by one of these boyfriends who Ooh. she doesn't choose. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're all kind of thrown into these problems that they didn't expect, uh, you know, at the end of their senior year. But because of their friendship and their bonds together, they finally kind of help one another out. Uh, Elena learns to react, relax and dry out. Troy is, you know, learns that his friends, you know, can mean just as much as family. Um, Sammy's heart is healed to an extent, and as is Vicky's, and she kind of gets a little more empowered through her friends. And yeah, they kind of help uh, one another out, get through the punches, pitfalls, and blows that life sends their way in high school blows. Nice. Mm. Nice. Uh, that is pretty good. Yeah. Cool. That's great. High school blows, reality bites. Yeah. Reality sets in. Yeah, reality sets in. <laughs> <laughs> Carly, okay. a psychological thriller. All right. So the movie is going to start very similar to Reality Bites. Uh, Lelena and her friends have all graduated from college. Um, we still have that moment on the roof. 
um, we start to see, you know, their lives are in a little bit of, of flux. Um, nobody's really doing exactly what they want to be doing. When uh, Lelena and Vicky get into a minor car accident. Oh, no. Um, it is Lelena's fault. She threw a cigarette butt into somebody else's car. Um, and then they got into an accident. And the person that she got in the accident with uh, is Michael, who's a mild-mannered man who works for an MTV knockoff uh, show. Uh, and she decides to meet him in the office. Um, he seems nice enough and ends up, because she's a little flaky, a little a little off-kilter, she ends up breaking his most prized possession, which is this figurine that he has on his desk. Um, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Yeah. <laughs> but he amazingly forgives her immediately for both hitting his car and for, well, setting a fire in his car, hitting his car and then breaking his most prized possession. Um, so we're feeling pretty good about Michael in the movie. Um, they begin dating, and her friends really don't like him. They, they feel like something's a little bit up with him. Um, when he's around, the, the mood in the, in the room changes. She starts to change a little bit. Uh, all of a sudden, her life, her life was moving pr pretty steadily forward, and all of a sudden, things start happening. Um, the, the cards that she gives her boss get mixed up, and all of a sudden, her boss is reading something on air that he's not supposed to be reading. Um, which she gets fired for. Um, slowly, just little little things start to happen. Her her uh, car breaks down and she can no longer stop, so Michael has to come and take her to all of her job interviews and is there giving her pointers, um, making him look like a very, very nice guy. Um, he ends up offering to take her tapes to sell them to his, to his uh, company, and wanting to make this beautiful doc, she wants to make this beautiful documentary about her friends. Uh, when she sees it, it's cut to pieces. It's making fun of them. It's making fun of her. Mm -hmm. Everything is really just off. And he says that it's it was the editor. Something happened. He never saw the tapes. He had no idea that it happened. So it star starts to drive a wedge between them. But a wedge between her and her friends has already happened. So she's all alone. Um, she ends up. She does end up sleeping with one of her best friends at, at her lowest point. Um, and Michael finds out about it um, in a very public forum. He has, he has a rage issue, clearly, um, <laughs> <laughs> when, when he meets the guy that Lelena uh, has uh, slept with. He meets him outside after Lelena has run away embarrassed and scared of Michael and her, her friend. Um, and Michael ends up killing Troy. Um, just Whoa. kills him. Just kills him. Um, and Lelena, who has now realized that she's in love with Troy, is a little bit of, like, it starts to search for Troy and can't find him anywhere. Um, but Michael keeps on kind of showing up um, in places that she's looking for him um, to the point where she is rushing off. She finds out that his father has passed away, assumes that he's in Chicago and rushes off. And the last scene is her standing on the balcony and Michael is in front of her and cut to black. So it's just her facing him for the first time. Mm. Um, and I, I had a couple of uh, 
titles for this, but I think Gen X's is what I'm going to go. Gen X's. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that a whole lot. That's a great title. Fantastic, guys. Yeah. Um, great job, everybody. Please uh, finish scoring uh, on your patented High on Film scorecards. And when you're done, pass them to the front of the class for final edition. As we must do every week, we're slowly easing our way into the pessimistic end of our show, which we commemorate with podcast regrets. Anything you regret saying or not saying during the duration of this uh, this here podcast? Uh, boy. I guess if I had to bring up... I mean, there's a lot of good lines in this movie we couldn't do for... Uh, for impressions, so that is something I re and you mentioned it in your um, uh, in your milking it, Carly, like the street scene, yeah, between Michael and Troy. I really like that scene because they both have it's kind of this tennis match of gut punches to each other, uh, uh, figurative, and about how like they're both kind of lost and they each kind of bring that out in each other and point it out in each other of how. Uh, how uh, they don't really know anything, especially about love. Yeah, I love that line where uh, Troy says, well, we all die alone. And Michael just says, if you really believe that, then what are you doing out here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, I was trying to like, think of the line. That's it's a like, great yeah, line. Yeah, that's... Exactly. Like, what What are you doing? Yeah. Well, they <laughs> um, both have points. Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, I, no, yeah. absolutely they do. Um, I... I guess... One thing for me is um, the music in this. I know I mentioned it very briefly, but this soundtrack was one of my very favorite soundtracks ever. Um, wow. Lisa Loeb's Stay is an amazing song. Um, <laughs> I It just, it, it hit me and it has hit me throughout. Like, I love how fun it is, how upbeat it is, and how of the time it is. Um, and I also really love that they use a couple of Schoolhouse Rock songs in it. Because I love Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the end when it comes back around and uh, Winona Ryder is... I'm just a bill. I'm just a bill. Well, I'm only a bill. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's a really funny scene. <laughs> uh, mine is that I, I, we didn't talk really at all about the presentation of the video for In Your Face TV. I know. Oh, yeah. And I think it is so funny the, the way... The answer is... The, 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 the answer, answer is... Pizza! Pizza! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is so funny and such a perfect bastardization of everything that, like, uh, Melania was, was trying to make in this documentary about, like, yeah. reality. And they just twist it and cut it up with, like, Exactly the kind of editing that MTV has been like made fun of for, like that quick cut, blah blah blah, yeah. like no no attention span teenagers. Uh, and it is. It's like the birth of the real world, which is face. so funny. Um, and I just feel like we didn't give that really any attention, but it's it's such a That's good a bastardization of everything we've just watched in this film encapsulated in like a Hollywood wooded up version. Well, and I love that that's the um credits scene too is that it's a show created by Michael now that is about Lelena and Troy because her name is Raina and his name is Roy. Yeah. And, and it's more and, of a Melrose place. And he's in a band and she's smoking cigarettes and just worried about everything yeah. that he's doing. And, like, and it's dramatized it's rather so than dramatized. document 
documented? Documented. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Is that the word for making a documentary? Documented? documented? Yeah. Sure. But either way, it's more like Melrose Place, yeah. which even feeds into the fact that uh, Vicky's like, my life is like Melrose Place. That, that, that I'm the character on Melrose Place who comes in and has AIDS, and then I die, and everybody's at my funeral with chokers and halter tops. <laughs> yeah. But Melrose Place is a really good show. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. But I just had to. Couldn't let another sure. minute go by without paying that scene its due. Love That's it. fair. It's a great point. Well, guys, I got the points tallied. Uh, unfortunately, reality bites the most for me. 17.3 points. Oh, sorry, Chris. Third place. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. I chose the role of the listless stoner, and here we are. <laughs> there we <you> go. <laughs> In my uh, trash star destroy. Brad Davis uh, edged me out only by a little bit. 17.6 points. But that does... Not compete with Carly's 18.05 points, Boom. crowning Carly <laughs> the winner of today's show. Congratulations, Yay. Carly. Thanks, guys. Yep. My <laughs> pleasure. Thank you for being a huge part of High On Film over these last couple of years. Uh, I, I really don't know what we'd do without you here. It really, truly is my pleasure. You guys are my best friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Carly. Yeah, yeah, it's, love you too. You've always had great movie choices. Uh, the shows are always so much fun to do. And I'm sorry that this is the last one. I know, me too. But Death at Sunset, oh, I get to goodness. work with you guys <laughs> over the next while, oh, I think. Are we transitioning into the plug section? Well, I'm just saying that I this is not the last time that I am podcasting with the two of you. Absolutely that not. Is true. Absolutely not. That's very true. Yes, you can hear all of us. On a brand new podcast, out now, a four-part comedy noir, sunshine noir, uh, radio play called Death at Sunset, Case One, Hard Times, and Soft Drinks. Uh, Carly, Brad, and myself all act in it. Uh, Brad and I created the whole shebang, and please, please check that out. Um, otherwise, anything else to plug? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, not me. <laughs> Brad. Thank you, as always, my friend. Always. Uh, at BDAlwaysGP on Twitter and Instagram, and on Tumblr or my Twitter page, you can find I Love You Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, love letters to my buckos, uh, baseball blog. There it is. I'm at Cross Maxwell Across, your social media accounts. That's Chris with an O in place of the I. At High On Film is the show wherever you'd like to find us. You know, you can also follow at Death at Sunset on Twitter if you'd like. It'd probably be a worthwhile follow as we uh, work on producing more of those episodes. And, yeah, that that's about it, guys. Um, Carly, I, I, I guess, do we have an Oompa Loompa song to come in since this is their last time <laughs> of the show? <laughs> Take it out. Oompa-doompa-doobity-doo. <laughs> <laughs> You helped us podcast, and now we are through. Nice. Oh, I like it. There like you go. There we go. There you go. Uh, Carly, seriously, I love you so much. Thank you so much for being a huge part of the show and a wonderful roommate and a wonderful, wonderful friend. Thank you. Um, My brother from another mother. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Carly. I'm yeah. sure you mean something to Brad, <laughs> well, too. but <laughs> You're not my brother. No. 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 They're involved. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We were going to wait till the last episode to announce. I know. It's, a, it's that official. They're it's official. We date. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, one down, nine to go. There it is. Nine to go. The home stretch. Yeah. Congratulations, guys.
Thank, thank you very you much. So much. Thank you. Yeah, we will return next week with another uh, music-based comedy <laughs> yes. uh, from another high-on film favorite, Sound Guy Dave. Oh, yeah. For his final appearance. Very, very exciting. Very. Tune in next Monday. We will see you then, guys. We love you. Goodbye. Do your little rap thing again, Brad. Yo, 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 okay, yo, 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 yo. And Carly? I, I, I'm not yo. gonna rap. Okay. Are you sure you don't want to yeah, rap I'm on not, mic? I'm... Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite rap. Who told you I was a dope rapper? <laughs> Who told you I was a dope rapper? <laughs>